the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar play it all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Sophie Duller. Thanks, folks, for joining us tonight for the Bible Live broadcast for this evening. This edition, we're going to continue our way right on through the book of Acts. I had forgotten how thrilling, how absolutely mesmerizing the book of Acts is. We've read the Old Testament. We see the times when God stepped in in history and and using the people of Israel in particular, but not always restricted to that, often revealing himself through nature to people groups all over the planet, all over the globe, even before Israel existed. God has always been there doing this. But then we have this high point in human history, this moment when the Creator makes Himself known by becoming one with us in the creation. God Himself stepped into time and space and became the Messiah, the Redeemer, the promised one who would come and reveal the Father to us and carry out this work of redemption. And now we see the aftershocks. In the times of the Roman Empire, in that first century, the amazing effect of that one solitary life. And we'll get to that. I'll give you a little bit of a heads up, a picture of the context, where we are in the book of Acts, and then we'll pick up at chapter 14, verse 8 tonight, on through chapter 16. Right now, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment, the second half now of Proverbs chapter 14 tonight on The Bible Life. Proverbs 14, 18 through 35. The simpleton is clothed with folly, but the wise person is crowned with knowledge. Evil people will bow before good people. The wicked will bow at the gates of the godly. The poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. It is sin to despise one's neighbors. Blessed are those who help the poor. If you plot evil, you will be lost. But if you plan good, you will be granted unfailing love and faithfulness. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. 
Wealth is a crown for the wise. The effort of fools yields only folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is a traitor. Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a place of refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. A growing population is a king's glory. A dwindling nation is his doom. Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. A relaxed attitude lengthens life. Jealousy rots it away. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but those who help the poor honor him. The wicked are crushed by their sins, but the godly have a refuge when they die. Wisdom is enshrined in an understanding heart. Wisdom is not found among fools. Godliness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. A king rejoices in servants who know what they are doing. He is angry with those who cause trouble. End of reading Proverbs 14, 18 through 35. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. If you're joining us for the first time tonight, we're reading from the book of Acts, this transition book between the life of Jesus, the Messiah, portrayed for us in the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these four portraits of the life of this individual who came fulfilling over 300 prophecies, predictions in the Old Testament that would describe him and his life so that we can recognize the Messiah when he came. And now we come to the time when the impact of that on the thousands and millions of individuals across the Roman Empire in that first century as the full light of the gospel comes to shine and bring them hope and bring them answers to the many deep, deep human questions they've been asking. Now, just to bring us up to par, chapter 10, Peter was used specifically of the Lord to go to visit this Roman military officer named Cornelius, and he saw there that God's intention was to pour his spirit out on all flesh, not just the Jewish people. The gospel was not just for Jews, but for all men and women, Jew and Gentile alike. God was speaking and calling to all men. There was a dramatic lesson there in Peter's vision of the animals that were in that sheet. God said, what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. Then he has to give an explanation of that in Jerusalem in chapter 11. And then in chapter 12, we're introduced to this church in Antioch of Syria, this church that is a remarkable mixture of pagan and Gentile and Jew, and they grab the gospel with all the gusto, and they're so enthusiastic, they send out Paul and Barnabas to carry the message of the gospel across the Roman Empire on that first missionary journey. That's where we find them tonight, over in Greece, in the towns of Lystra and Derby, as they present the gospel to Europe, the Bible life. Acts 14.8-16.40 Acts 14. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was listening as Paul preached, and Paul noticed him and realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! 
And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the listening crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, These men are gods in human bodies. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus, and that Paul, because he was the chief speaker, was Hermes. The temple of Zeus was located on the outskirts of the city. The priest of the temple and the crowd brought oxen and wreaths of flowers, and they prepared to sacrifice to the apostles at the city gates. But when Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings like yourselves. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In earlier days, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left himself without a witness. There were always his reminders, such as sending you rain and good crops and giving you food and joyful hearts. But even so, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Now some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and turned the crowds into a murderous mob. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, apparently dead. But as the believers stood around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned again to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that they must enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church and prayed for them with fasting, turning them over to the care of the Lord, in whom they had come to trust. Then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They preached again in Perga, then went on to Italia. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun and where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported about their trip, telling all that God had done and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers in Antioch for a long time. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Acts 15. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the Christians, Unless you keep the ancient Jewish custom of circumcision taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas, disagreeing with them, argued forcefully and at length. Finally, Paul and Barnabas were sent to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported on what God had been doing through their ministry. But then some of the men who had been Pharisees before their conversion stood up and declared that all Gentile converts must be circumcised and be required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and church elders got together to decide this question. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God, who knows people's hearts, confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he gave him to us. 
He made no distinction between us and them, for he also cleansed their hearts through faith. Why are you now questioning God's way by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the special favor of the Lord Jesus. There was no further discussion, and everyone listened as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles agrees with what the prophets predicted. For instance, it is written, Afterward I will return and I will restore the fallen kingdom of David. From the ruins I will rebuild it, and I will restore it so that the rest of humanity might find the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. This is what the Lord says. He made these things known long ago. And so my judgment is that we should stop troubling the Gentiles who turn to God, except that we should write to them and tell them to abstain from eating meat sacrificed to idols, from sexual immorality, and from consuming blood or eating the meat of strangled animals. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Then the apostles and elders and the whole church in Jerusalem chose delegates, and they sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barnabas, and Silas. This is the letter they took along with them. This letter is from the apostles and the elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but they had no such instructions from us. So it seemed good to us, having unanimously agreed on our decision, to send you these official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are sending Judas and Silas to tell you what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or eating the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. The four messengers went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of the Christians and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke extensively to the Christians, encouraging and strengthening their faith. They stayed for a while, and then Judas and Silas were sent back to Jerusalem with the blessings of the Christians to those who had sent them. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch to assist many others who were teaching and preaching the word of the Lord there. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return to each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are getting along. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not shared in their work. Their disagreement over this was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and the believers sent them off, entrusting them to the Lord's grace.
So they traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia to strengthen the churches there. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Acts 16. Paul and Silas went first to Derby and then on to Lystra. There they met Timothy, a young disciple whose mother was a Jewish believer, but whose father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, explaining the decision regarding the commandments that were to be obeyed, as decided by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in numbers. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had told them not to go into the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not let them go. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the city of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. He saw a man from Macedonia in northern Greece, pleading with him, Come over here and help us! So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, for we could only conclude that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Somothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we supposed that some people met for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had come together. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am faithful to the Lord, she says, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we did. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed along behind us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and spoke to the demon within her. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, he said, and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted. They are teaching the people to do things that are against Roman customs. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So he took no chances but put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted out to him, Don't do it! We are all here! 
trembling with fear, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with your entire household. Then they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. That same hour the jailer washed their wounds, and he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Then he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, Let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, You and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, They have publicly beaten us without trial and jailed us, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police made their report, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. Paul and Silas then returned to the home of Lydia, where they met with the believers and encouraged them once more before leaving town. End of reading, Acts 14a through 1640. My Jesus, my Dr. Luke gives us this description of Paul's first missionary journey, a round trip of about a thousand miles. Some people consider the three years that Paul spent in Arabia following his conversion in his time in Damascus. He left for that three-year period that I told you about back when we were reading chapter 9, it was, between verse 22 and verse 26 of chapter 9. It kind of goes past it here in the book of Acts. But later on, we're told Paul spent three years in Arabia, rethinking his theology and his life, probably down in the city of Petra, it is thought. Some people think of that as his first missionary journey, but most people consider this that we've read about tonight in chapter 14 as it ends, the first of missionary journeys. Now, if you've ever been on a missionary journey over the years, I've gone to Honduras, to Russia, Ukraine, Moldova, Kazakhstan, Mongolia, China, India, so many places. These are so thrilling, these tremendous times when you see God use you and bring hope and light and life to people. This is no exception. What a tremendous report Paul and Barnabas had to give when they got back to Antioch of Syria. It took them a little over two years to make this journey. <laughs> One day they're hailed as gods, almost worshipped, and the next day they're stoned to death. What was it you were telling me, Brian, when someone asked you if you're a god? Say yes. <laughs> well, not actually biblical. But anyway, tremendous things happen to them. They come back and report to the council in Jerusalem. This very important council, a possible division in this newborn movement. There's a possible division right from the get-go, and they have this historic resolution. They do something to tear down this possible barrier, this wall that potentially could come in and divide between brothers and sisters in Messiah from Jewish and Gentile background. These were things that would keep Jewish and Gentile believers from coming together. They wouldn't be able to have meals together. They wouldn't be able to have fellowship. For some reason, I've always interpreted these as facilitating the relationships. The British say that you cannot call a man a friend until you've eaten a pound of salt together. 
Eating meals together and building friendship and fellowship is so crucial. The same things happen today in some places. Even in our Christian world today, people elevate things that are less important and may put divisions and divide the people of God instead of things that would bring us together. It's a great lesson. You know, a lot of people think that the Christian life is straight-laced, sober, sad, and as your kids would say, boring. Well, as you can see, it's anything but boring. It's exciting, it's thrilling, it's challenging, it's joy-filled, there's purpose, there's fulfillment, there's significance, and even there's peace. And in the middle of all of that thrill and all of that challenge, there is the peace of God that reigns in our hearts as believers. The Christian life is a supernatural life. And when we really engage in our relationship with God and we get involved in His purpose, the redemptive purposes of God, it leads us to tremendous excitement and our lives make a difference. There's so much here for us to talk about, uh, but it speaks for itself. The passage is full of these wonderful relationships and these great experiences. The See you Bible next time. Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.